Dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on sloppy seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, weekly webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, my co-host, Steve. What do you hear? What do you say, bud? Talking about some battle plans tonight in the current General's Handbook, and then we're going to be talking about uh, what we think the battle plans are going to look like in the General's Handbook for 2020. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting topic uh, to really kind of sink our teeth into and get into it here a little bit, because it's interesting when you, when you talk about, you know, we kind of touched on this, if you remember, a couple of shows ago, what our expectations were going to be for, you know, the General's Handbook 2020 and what that new book was going to look like, right? So yeah. It'll be interesting to examine, you know, this a little bit deeper and without getting into the minutiae, right? I mean, I don't think that's our plan to get into the no, you know, um, nitty-gritty details of the current points for models and all that kind of stuff. We're really looking for what we think what changes need to be made, right? Yeah, we're going to take a look at the current pl- uh, battle plans that we think are good for tournaments. And then we're going to take a look at some of the battle plans that we think are not good for tournaments. But folks, if, no, we're not going to sit here and go over each plan and you know, in in, uh, in depth detail, because that's not the kind of show that we are. No, and and you know what, and I, th- I think it's important to, to kind of remember that we are uh, we we're here to entertain you, folks. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and 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 we will do that. There are plenty of uh, of shows out there that are that are good for that, and that's uh, you know, Grimdark Live. We're 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 good, but uh, we're going to stick to what we're what, what we're best at, I guess. But yeah, we're also going to be. Uh, we got the rumor engine. We got that back, and I think that's going to be an interesting one for you, Steve, because we're going to get into that. Um, I don't want to say in, in in great detail, but I think it's going to take you down a little bit of a path that that maybe you're familiar with. Maybe you're going to get excited with. I don't want to I don't want to give up the goods on that one a little too much. But the rumor engine I thought was pretty good. Plus, you know, we didn't do the rumor engine last week because we had a great show last week with Doom on, so we completely skipped the news. But wasn't last week? That was a great show, huh? Uh, yeah, I can honestly say that uh, he was a great guest and. Um... If there's ever a guy you want to talk to about Grand Alliance, chaos or destruction, I think Doom is probably one of your guys. Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. You know, and to kind of piggyback, not not to kind of overshadow because there would be no way I could ever do that, but to kind of piggyback off a conversation we had last week um, and coming off of Doom's uh, awesome unlocking video that he did uh, regarding the Beast of Chaos with uh, Joel McGrath, uh, we're going to be taking a look at a Beasts of Chaos list that I've played, uh, been been very successful with. I kind of brought it up last week when we had Doom on the show, um, and uh, I thought I would just kind of go through it a little bit, maybe maybe walk down history lane just a little bit on my uh, my relationship with the Beastie Boys and, and how the list kind of came to be over over a long period of time. I mean, a, a, an army that I started playing in seventh edition. So it uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a conversation we're probably going to get even more in-depth in the future. But for tonight, we're going to specifically focus on this list that you uh, 
that you have put together for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but you know, it, it's it's uh, it, this show. I'm a little pumped up for because, and, and I think we're we're starting to see the, you know, coming off of last week's show, which I thought was a great show, and then coming off of what I think is the the maybe the end. Maybe we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with this whole COVID. Uh, uh, 19 lockdown thing, uh, you know, but I, you know, I know that we're still in the COVID-19 lockdown and it's, it's, it's maddening, but more than that, you know, I, I think I'm enthused because I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I miss all my gaming buddies, man. You know, I miss getting out there and, and playing this awesome game, seeing my friends. It, it's tough. You know what I mean? And I think it's important too, that we, um, that we get through this thing properly and that we get back into it slowly and care, you know, uh, yeah, it's time. It's yeah. time to, uh, as you would say, uh, blow the stink off you. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you know, you get lonely. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, for, for me personally, I, I'm, a, I'm a sociable guy. You know, I'm, I'm not one of these introverts sitting around smelling my fingers eating cold meatloaf in my stepmother's basement. You know, I, I actually like to be out there amongst my people. How many man. people have you actually known that are like that? Well, well, here's the thing. Let me just tell you this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty lonely right now, and I don't work very well with that. I mean, I, let me tell you this. You know, I, I tell you what. I'm so lonely that the other You're day not in traffic. Tell one of your stories, are you? No, no, no. I'm not. This is a little quip. But the other day in traffic, guy gave me the finger. I enjoyed it. I mean, that's how lonely I am. Will you stop? What are you talking about? I can't. I can't even express how lonely I am. I mean, this is. You know, this is. This is tough. You know, but you know, you're right though, Steve, in all, all seriousness with this, with this whole COVID right attitude. I mean, attitude is the answer. You know, it, it's, it's like a friend of mine who just got out of prison. He did 10 years in prison. He came out of it with, with the right attitude. In fact, you know, he told me he feels like a new woman. Will you stop? You're as phony as a $3 bill. Let's get this show going. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And as always, we have the, uh, we have a question of the day and the closing thoughts towards, uh, towards the end of the show today. Hey, you Grimdark goons, thank you all so much for listening to our Grimdark Live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway... Thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. So uh, here it is, man. Let's uh, let's get into this. We actually have a lot uh, here in the news, ironically enough, to uh, to really get into and talk about. Um, being that you know we're, we're we are still in the uh, COVID you know piece here, but you know, Steve, this is something I'm pretty excited about. I want to get into the the, the the news here because I think this is going to be something that, uh, well, you've probably seen this picture. Now, folks, for you guys joining us on the podcast later, again, you're not going to be able to see what we're doing here on the live show, but uh, listen to the podcast and come on over to YouTube and uh, check us out. But uh, here it is. Here is here is the first rumor picture. So, Steve, Clash of the Titans faction for AOS confirmed. I got this one right this week. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is not... Um, That's definitely an owl, for sure. I am of two opinions on this. Okay. That owl is... That owl... Uh, owls have always been kind of a mysterious creature. They've been symbols of both good and evil. Uh, I can see that being part of a 
Kurnolf faction? Yeah. Because we've already got a hint of them from the uh, Underworlds box set. That's true, yeah. So these could be the new Kurnathi, or that could be a sinister-looking owl sitting on a uh, haunted tree or a gravestone for vampires. Uh, so, boy, I don't know. That It's either wood elves of some kind it, in whatever new form they're going to be in. Right. Kurnathi, I guess they're calling them now. Right. And uh, it's either going to be them or it's going to be maybe like a little uh, decorative piece for something for soul blight. Yeah. But um, yeah. that all looks sinister. It does look a little sinister, you know, and I don't know, obviously it's black and white. So it probably is obviously like a white or grayish type of owl, but the black eyes kind of, you know, they don't make it uh, look very nice. And I'll tell you that, but you know, I was looking at this thing and kind of doing some, some research into what this could possibly be. And I came across kind of an, kind of an interesting concept uh, it's an older game that uh, I don't know if they're trying to breathe life back into, but what do you think about possibly this being Warhammer Quest? Maybe a, a you know a AOS Age of Sigmar character or hero, something that um, would accompany that, something that, that would throw us a real curveball. Because he, here's the thing, I, I look at I look at, and and a lot maybe maybe a lot of folks don't even remember or recall what the hell Warhammer Quest was. Um, and when I saw this at first, and I, I know that I'm really stretching on this one here, but uh, I thought this because number one, I just can't understand. I like I like Warhammer Quest, but I just can't understand why they they didn't just add updates to Silver Tower instead of a whole new version of Warhammer Quest. Um, uh, I, I guess you know, uh, I guess Silver Tower was supposed to be the new Warhammer Quest in the first place. I think, but but regardless, uh, it's hard to tell for sure. Uh, but the spot where the owl is seated, it does look like a wood or a, a tree branch. Yeah. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what, what that so is, if you but had to lay money down on it. What would you say it's for? Um, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, it does look possibly Kernothy to me, even it does. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let me do this before I answer this. Let, let me, let me, let me kind of skip ahead here and, and take you to where the, take you to the places I want to take you to on this conversation here with, with the first news topic. Go for it. So, Steve, I, I want to go back for a second to last week's Rumor Engine pick. Now, we, we didn't cover the news last week, you know, obviously because of, of that awesome destruction show with Doom. But here's the Rumor Engine pick from, from last week. All right, now, we never got to this one. Now, the hilt and the bracer look elven to me. Maybe, I agree. Maybe wanderer or something. Um, this could even coincide with the owl, you know. This week, maybe we're well, getting proper wanderer type wood elves, possibly. It has that spindly kind of wood elf look to the um, to both the hilt and then the um, the hilt and the pommel, right? And 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 then partially on the blade, there it's uh, that if I were to take a guess on that one on that arm, that looks Kurnothy to me. That looks wild. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I thought that at first too, you know, and again, this, this all kind of transpired off of me trying to figure out why the frick of an owl is, is showing up in the picture, um, showing up in the rumor, I mean, but now I'm going to, I'm going to take another left turn at Albuquerque here. And I don't mean to, to get your vampire wants going again, but 
Conrad and Vlad have rapiers, you know, otherwise a sword, yeah, just like that, they right? Do. Yep, and they do. the hilt reminds me a lot of Conrad von Karstein's sword, plus that gem right here in the, in the middle, this little this little gem here at the the top yeah. of the hilt, I guess is the best way to to, to put that. Um, yeah. It looks very much like a blood drop to me. Yeah, it could also be an elven crystal. Um, I don't know if I was if I was a betting man on that one, I would say that is probably something elven, something Kurnothy. I don't see that as vamp. Now I could be wrong. Obviously, you know, I mean, we never know with these goofy things. I mean, half the time, you know, they're something completely different. But right, uh, that that it just doesn't that doesn't feel vampire to me what it does look like is it looks like um an arm that you would glue onto a karnathi warrior okay like that's the right arm of a karnathi warrior of some kind yeah because i'm looking at the Um, bracelet there and it looks kind of like like a leaf or something might be on that bracelet well i mean let's look at it from this point of view there's no way that gw came up with those karnathi for no reason those models are a precursor to an upcoming army. Uh, I, I would I would bet my bottom dollar that those are going to be uh, a book that they're eventually going to be what we would consider to be the new Wood Elves. Probably, because, yeah. Well, because yeah. the Sylvaneth just don't cut the mustard. I mean, they're the Sylvaneth are the trees. That that's more of a nature army. The Wood Elves uh, are still a compelling army that needs to be explored because. You know, the Wanderers, you know, they're, they have a very tragic story. And I think of all the elves, uh, probably, well, maybe not of all the elves. I think the Eidneth have a pretty tragic story, too, being, you know, abandoned. Yeah, by they, they may have the topper tragic yeah, story. Yeah, I think they have the topper. But I think the Wood Elves are, are, are a real close second because, you know, they didn't, you know, they weren't abandoned by their god. Their god cast them out for being cowards. Right. So they live with the eternal shame knowing that they left Alariel in her most dire moment. So that army, in my opinion, is going to be, is going to have a very uh, interesting story and background. I can't wait to see that book. Hopefully they're going to do it. So let, let's just, before we, before we move on, um, I just want to clarify when, when you say, you know, Sylvaneth doesn't cut the mustard, you're not talking about the, the actual army itself, the mechanics and gameplay. I mean, no, they're, they're a pretty damn good I army. I mean that they don't, the Sylvaneth are not wood elves. They oh, are right. yeah. an army of nature. They are an army of, of the, they're a force of nature. The wood elves are, uh, are actual elves. I mean, they're, they're not forces of nature. They have, now they may be combined with nature, like you know we saw with the centaurs, but they're going to be something completely different. They're going mm-hmm. to be um, they're going to be kin to the wood, you know, to the woods, but they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be the actual woods like the yeah. Sylvaneth. So, so I guess so. What you're saying is the Sylvaneth are just the faithless woodland sprites. Got it. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be the Kurdothi that are going to be the faithless woodland sprites. But yeah. So so let me, I'm going to peel the onion judging? layer. Go ahead. Keep your shame. No, no. I was just saying that uh, I think that um, this this right here, I think, is Karnathi. And I think the owl is Karnathi as well. And I'm going to make a prediction right now. I think we have a hidden army coming. Wow. Okay. Um, 
So you think you I, think the you think the wood elves of some type are going to be? I a... think the wood elves are going to be um, a hidden army. I think they're going to be a surprise release. Okay. Not saying when because I truly would not know with the schedule being as screwed up as it is. You know, because of the COVID nineteen virus, we're already two to three months behind the release schedule. Right. Um, but I would say that the Kurnothi in whatever new form they're going to have, uh, they're, they're coming. Yeah, I, I think I there's think right. no way GW makes a box set like they did and then not make an army to accompany it. Sure. I sure. just, I just don't see that. Yeah. So folks, just to kind of, kind of walk backwards here a little bit, we're talking about last week's uh, rumor engine pick in conjunction with this week's rumor engine pick of the, uh, the clash of the Titans owl that uh, obviously looks uh, very, very evil. So, but, but here's where I want to go with this. Now, obviously, you know, we talk possibly sitting on a wood stump, possibly could be something to maybe a, a pet or something like that for a Kanothi uh, type of army. And then yeah. we took a walk backwards to last week. We talked about this uh, right arm with a rapier in it that that maybe could be wood elf, wander type, um, as Steve said, a possible new army. Um, uh, but there's more to this mystery, I think, Steve. Um, and All right, Steve, go on. Let's look Clever. down one more avenue to try and guess this rumor engine. And, and if you recall from two shows ago, the rumor engine was that ghoulish hand holding a sword correct which is this one right here that we that we showed now that looks vampiric right oh without a doubt so i kind of want to you know let's let's look at this one again now let's go back here so as i said before carl von karstein had a rapier just like the one that we were just looking at now you got a vampire sword right here um, and if you look at the bottom, the hand, the hilt of the hand, that where it almost bevels out, right? But the but okay. the actual the the Warhammer community plaque is covering that up. If you go back to this, you kind of have that same, you know, almost uh, type of bevel to the bottom of the of, of the handle. Yeah. Um, so I'll put it to you this way: if if the new uh, go to the next one, the next pick. The next uh, that sword. one yeah that one okay um if that is vampire counts i will be very surprised okay it does not appear to be vampiric to me i could be wrong i'm just saying that looks kernothy to me it looks elven okay it may not be kernothy yeah. But, you know, but it definitely looks elven. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I am. I, I think I'm. I think I'm sixty forty leaning towards the fact that it's elven rather than anything. I mean, it it, it does it does look. It, it could go either way, and I I think the rapier thing kind of made me think about the von Karsteins. But if you look right up here at the top of the, the the hilt of the handle, there's that little what looks to be almost like a a vine, you know, of some kind. So yeah, maybe. I I I mean, if I were a betting man, I'd say that's elven. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, that, that, and, and I would also say the same thing for the owl. Okay. The owl is going to be like a little accessory or decorative piece on some elven, you know, some Kurnothy kind of elven piece of terrain or something, or maybe, sure. you know, on a guy's shoulder or something. Who knows? But that looks, if I were a betting man, I'd say elven for that one. Okay. All right. A 
public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, Get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. Now, back to the show. So let's let's keep going here with uh, with the news uh, right now, and let's kind of move into the next topic, which is probably not one that I, th- I think we have a lot of uh, information on at this point, and that's this apparent uh, GW price hike that we've all been 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 hearing about. Now I've heard some some pretty crazy you know uh, guesstimates where it's anywhere between you know three percent to twenty percent. And so, you know, I, I know, I understand we're coming out of this COVID thing and I, I got mixed emotions on this thing, you know, and, and, and Steve, come on, man, you know, my mixed emotions are like, you know, my example of mixed emotions, right? Yes, so your mother-in-law going over the cliff in your new Cadillac. That's it. That's it. Mixed emotions. But, um, you know, we're coming out of this, this, this COVID thing. We got record unemployment, all crazy things have happened to small businesses, everything across. I don't want to get into that, but a lot of people are, are financially strapped right now. So even the idea of the, of the, of the, the, the first portion of those percentages, three, 4% of a height of a price increase seems a little alarming to me. Now, have you heard anything about this? What are your thoughts on the potentiality that, 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 that this could be the case? Yeah, it goes back to something that you always say, gamers and bitching go together like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, if you if you could um, find a way to bottle it, you, you know, you'd be a billionaire. Yeah, um, first of all, I laugh every time I, I hear someone say, well, this is it, this is the final straw, I'm leaving the hobby. Shut up, you're not going anywhere. Uh, you're going to be like, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, just shut up. I mean, honestly, it, it's like every time I hear someone say that, you know, these, you know, the, the grand protesters, the pontificators, you know, I'm going to leave the hobby. It's the end of the world. I can't afford. Yeah. Right. Uh, on, I'll put it to you this way on release day. If the giants are $150 a piece, how fast will they be sold out? Pat? Yeah. They won't even make it to the shelf. Yeah. And if they do, when the store does open and they are on the shelf, they'll be off of the shelf in about, what would we guess, uh, two seconds? Oh, yeah, easily. Easy. Every time we hear about these price hikes, it's the same thing. Folks, let's be honest with each other. No one is going anywhere. You're right. going to keep paying these prices. GW knows you're going to keep paying these prices because they're the best models in the industry. Yeah, and yeah. 
And yeah. as much as gamers bitch about the fact that uh, prices are getting too high, folks, we all know that we're full of it and we're going to pay those prices and we're going to continue this. And GW's figured this out after 25 years of being in the business. They know we're going to pay these prices. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, you know, if you really look at, you know, the increment, I mean, you know, I, I, th- I think we're going to average. I, I think if I if you do the math and you really look at everything, we're probably somewhere around nine percent is where it's going to go up. Right. Uh, in, in reality. And yeah, people are still going to still going to buy them. But this this might actually make some people, myself included, uh, a little bit more responsible about they they go out there and purchase. You know, so, you know, that's yeah, something. I, look, people are going to be very, you know, look, it's easy for to have careers and have, you know, and, I, and I'm not being braggadocious. I'm just saying it's easier for guys who have careers and bank accounts to pay for things. But for the 20, you know, the 20 year old guy who's just starting off in the hobby, $150 is a huge chunk of change. Right. That's probably an entire paycheck, you know, for some guys if they're working at, you know, a little retail store sure. or something part sure. time while they're going to college. I get it. But like you said, you don't have to be a maniac like us and buy. You can buy stuff incrementally, just, you know, like most people do that can't afford the hobby to the full extent. What I say to the price increase is, let's not complain. We know we're going to pay it. We know that the models are going to be gorgeous and that we're going to want them. You know, and look, you have alternate avenues, okay? You have right. alternate avenues. Right. If you don't support your local game store, if you don't support if you don't support your GW or your independent retailer store, they're going to go out of business and then you're not going to have any place to play. Yeah, that's so true. Just, and and this is where I'm I'm going off when I say about averaging 9 9.5%. I'm just going to throw some numbers out there for for our little part of the game. I'm not really going to concentrate on 40k because those those prices seem to be a little spastic. I I kind of um kind of a little concerned for the 40k folks. <laughs> but uh like for instance, you know, the the Forbidden Power. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, the uh, the Beast Grave. You know, the, the, the old MSRP was 70 bucks. It looks like that's going to go up 7% to about 75 bucks. You know, is $5 a big deal? No, uh, no, no, not really. So it, uh, it is, it is a hamburger and fries over at your local burger. Store. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, well so, but, some but, of these gamers here, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're going to have to sacrifice two of the hamburgers to get the one now. <laughs> you know, you got to think mean, about that, Steve. You know, it's just, it's silly. It, no, I know. Price, you know. Look, if paying a couple extra bucks is the price I have to pay to keep that company, you know, afloat. And let's be honest, folks, we all know that if it's our favorite army there on opening day, we're going to be in there, you know, ripping everything off the shelf. I don't care if the Giants are $200 a piece. They're right. going to be sold out day one. Right. So, you know, I just think that a price increase is the natural progression of any hobby it is everywhere. It's not just, you know, in gaming, it's everywhere. Right. Go and talk to the guys who are bowlers. Go and talk to the guys who, you know, who, you know, the guys who shoot pool. Everything's going up. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. You know, there, there's even, you know, Steve, there's even a couple of habits we could bring up about you that you know, those prices are going stop. up quite a bit too. Are you going to be all right? You go to the strip club. What do you do? I pay them in dollars. You pay them in quarters. Well, you know, they, yeah, I just, I whip them at them sometimes. It's like a hailstorm. I don't say make it rain. It's a hail. (laughs) 
So just just to run through some of the ones we got, we got Forbidden Power, right? Uh, Age of Sigmar Forbidden Power. That's going to go up eight bucks. It's going to go from ninety to ninety eight. So we're looking at eight nine percent. You know, big big deal right there. Uh, Malign Sorcery. Is anyone even going to buy that anymore? That's kind of weird. No. Uh, it looks like this is going to be uh, seventy five bucks. It's going to go to eighty. So what? Six and a half, six 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 and a half percent. About somewhere around there. Um, so here's what, here's, here's what I say. Yeah. To, to, to anyone who's concerned, you know, quote unquote concerned, think of all of the little things that you waste of every time you go to the Dunkin' Donuts or to the Starbucks and you pick up a two or three or a $4 cup of coffee or a latte. Think of all the little things that you waste money on. Oh, sure. And, and do this little experiment. Go through an entire week. And just keep your normal routine and see all the little things that you spend money on. Then at the end of the week, add up all that money. Yeah. Whether it's fast food, whether it's going to, you know, stopping at Starbucks every morning. Oh, I have to have my coffee. Well, no, you don't. You don't have to have it. You want it. So add up all that money. And by the end of the week, see how much money it adds up to. It's probably going to be 50, 60 bucks. Right. Right. So, yeah. GW asking for an extra $5 on their models. Look, guys, no one wants to pay more for these models. They're already overpriced in, yeah. in many of our opinions. But Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very I mean, true. It's 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 just it's the natural progression of of the hobby and I just think that every time it happens, we hear the same arguments and then those same people, this is the thing that really makes me laugh, those same people that say, "I'll never pay those prices." I of their new shiny favorite army who's the first one in line paying those prices yeah exactly they they've, they've sold their last two armies on ebay just to buy this one i mean honestly right so no no like, that's true yeah that's very true know, so you know what you know but it's, it's a good it's a good piece to talk about because i do i will say this as much you know reason as you just you just implored upon all of us the timing is pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> oh, the timing sucks. But what GW, I mean, if you think about this, is this something that GW had already planned to do? <clears throat> In other words, notwithstanding the COVID-19. And, and you know, look, no one's saying that it's, it's a great marketing, you know, ploy. Um, but was this already in the works? Now, that is what I would like to see. I would like to see if this was already in the works or if this is a result of the COVID-19 virus and the lack of funds that are coming into the company. I tend to believe that it probably is just your your yearly price increase or your bi-yearly price increase. Yeah, I think it has something to do with that, too. You know, you know something funny that I heard, you know, again, and I was trying when I was trying to make sense of, of all these you know price increases and all this kind of good stuff, I was... I was kind of hopping around and, you know, I, I got to be careful to stay off some of these boards, you know, that people chat on and stuff like that. It gets a little, it gets a little weird, but, um, people were starting to blame 3d printers for these price increases. Oh, that's nonsense. And, well, that's it, nonsense. It, yeah. And I got to say, I think, I think in my mind somewhere, I tried to put two and two together on this one and I couldn't, I was getting, you know, I was getting, I was coming out with, uh, the, you know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't equate that as any type of rhyme or reason, but you know, I, I think people are trying to, in their best effort, make sense of what these price increases are, because I think, I think a lot of people are out there. They're very focused on what they spend on their hobby. You know, how many times do you hear people talk about their hobby budget as, you know, their disposable income, you know, and we know that the market is, 
very volatile, you know, as far as how it responds to the greater markets that are out there. You know, I mean, if between, you know, their, their mortgage payment uh, or, or, or their, you know, the car payment or the new model, well, eight out of 10, I think are going to choose the responsible choice so that the hobby budget gets put off to the side. So I think, yeah, I, think I mean, that- how many people did you hear? Now let's be honest. How many people did you and I hear just, just the two of us, how many people did we hear say, Oh, I can't wait till that, uh, the, the, till the Trump cash comes in so I can go out and spend it on an army. Oh yeah. Now let's yeah, be that, honest. You know what? That's a really good point. I forgot. God, I forgot about that. How many people said they were going to take the take the Trump cash and they were going to go out and buy an army with it, or buy supplies, or buy this, buy that? Honest. You know, it's not about the money. We just don't. You know, we just. I mean, and it's it's anything. I don't care if you you know you you're shooting dope, you shoot pool, if you're a, a, a sports hunter. The prices are going up on everything, and they're going to keep going up. And and I just. I guess I've just given up on whining or complaining about it because it's going to happen whether you like it or not. And you have a choice. There's no one that's there's GW is not holding a gun to anyone's head and saying you must buy our products. Yeah, you have a choice, right? You have a choice to buy their products or not. And like, you know, and like you and I have said many times. If you don't want to pay $150 for a giant from GW, I mean, I don't know how much they're going to cost, but I imagine they're going to be pretty pricey. Right. Yeah. They, you they don't will want be. to pay. Yeah. If, if you don't want to pay those prices, you have other options. You have other gaming companies. And if you played an independent retailer, you're, you're good to go. You can yeah. use anything. I've never in all the years, I have never seen an independent retailer ever come up to a table and say, Hey, you can't use that model for that GW game. Right, exactly. Ne- never once have I ever heard that. Next exactly. Twenty-five years of gaming. And so. you know, Haroon uh, on, our, on our on our chat here just made a really good comment. He said you can pick them up secondhand. I mean, eBay is king for that. You know. Uh, yeah, it's it's like, it, but even like even forget the secondhand. Just think of all of the cool giants that we've seen from other game companies in just the past couple days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you're not well, I'm saying if you're if you're gaming in an independent store. I mean, GW is not going to let you use that stuff, but that's, you know, I get it. You know, they're not going to let you bring in another company's product, but sure. if you're in an independent retailer and that's where you game regularly, you have Bones, you have Reaper, you have all the uh, Mantic, you have all these other game companies that make great models. Uh, and and that true. are very comparable to what you use in fantasy right so you know if you don't want to pay the price find something that's similar from another you know from another game company and you know go to work right yep nobody cares that's it you know and like i said i think i think we'll have to wait and see what the what the price hikes are i put a link in the in the show comments uh to the uh to some of the information that i was able to retrieve on what some of the percentage increases are going to be i hope it helps uh don't don't take that as gospel but uh it's a good start to kind of see where your plastic crack habit is going to be taking you but let's uh let's keep rolling on because the last part of the news before we get to our first topic which i'm actually looking really forward to that's where we're going to be talking again folks about examining the current points for models and some of the changes we're looking at for the uh, General's Handbook 2020, and it's going to be a good conversation. But where I want to go right now, Steve, the last bit of the news is Armed Forces Day. 
Um, we've had a lot of changes and a lot of things that have occurred for that tournament uh, since it was originally supposed to be scheduled on Armed Forces Day of May 16th. We pushed it back for, to, to June 27th and 28th, obviously uh, due to the COVID and, 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 you know, occupancy, you know, restrictions. Uh, we had to push it back again. And uh, we're now looking uh, at August 8th and 9th for Armed Forces Day. This will be our third year. So uh, more information to come with that. Uh, we're kind of having to restart some of our conversations with some of the people that were going to be giving us prize supports and, and food and things like that. So um, more uh, more info uh, for that as, as the next uh, couple of weeks transpire. But uh, there, we got some spots open. So please head over to uh, uh, GrimdarkLive.com or our Facebook page to go ahead and sign up for Armed Forces Day 3, which is going to be in August 8th and 9th. Saturday, Sunday, it's going to be a 2,000-point Age of Sigmar five-game tournament to support our active duty troops. And we're also going to have a secondary uh benefit um you know charity for the montford point marine association uh, which is uh the uh the nation's largest uh, african-american marine corps association uh based here in chicago it's their second chapter they're originally out of philadelphia so uh good stuff to come on that and uh they've, they've been here since uh, 1946 so uh good stuff so let's get rolling with uh the rest of the show anything else for the news before i get rude and just kind of just keep going steve you got anything else you want to share no i've been very angry on this show good lord a lot to get out yeah i i got it i get hey you you need you need to go find a girl, man. You know what I mean? Just something. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? All right. <laughs> Will you stop and keep the show moving? Hey gang, I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events, so get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, 630-243-9330. Again... That's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. All right, here it is, man. Here it is. Let's get into our first topic here on the show. And then this one I'm actually kind of looking forward to. So, Steve, take it away, man. You're you're kind of spearheading this one. Yeah, um, I was looking through the current general's handbook and i was thinking about uh, oddly enough i was thinking about our forces day and one of the things that i was thinking about was the match play battle plans that are currently in the general's handbook 2019 and as i was paging through the different scenarios i was thinking for battle plans i was thinking about which battle plans are quick and easy and accommodating to a tournament and which ones are always a nightmare 
okay? And so I came up with a list of five battle plans that I would use if I were running a tournament. And then I came up with a list of five that I would not go anywhere near because here is the way I see it. When you go to a tournament, you don't want to have to have the general's handbook on top of the table where you already don't have enough room to put it anywhere. Correct. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a pain in the rear end to try to, you know, to, to try to hold on to this book or read through it. Now, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, I know every single battle plan. Well, OK, great. I mean, we don't play every single weekend. So I know yeah. there are guys out there that, you know. They know every battle plan, you know, from top to bottom. And, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a battle plan that when you are setting up the table, it is a quick and easy way to set up the table and get that game started. Because as you well know, sure, what is the, what is the great enemy of every tournament? Time. Time. Yeah. Time. Time. Yeah. Okay? So here are the, here are the five that, that I think are the best battle plans to use if you're going to run a tournament okay. and you want to expedite those games as fast as possible. And, and Steve, I've got my my personal copy up on the screen. I've got oh, my so, so I thought okay. that we would we so, kind of be able to go through it for everybody here. So I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you in, man. Let's do this. Let's throw okay. let's throw our balls over our shoulder and charge into the fire. Will you stop? What are you talking okay. about? Okay. Right. So the first one uh, that I came up with was Battle for the Pass. It's a very simple scenario to set up. You okay. have a triangular formation when you're setting up um, on both sides, but it's a very easy, it's a very easy setup. I mean, there's nothing complicated about it. You have four objectives, and um, and victory points are very simple. I mean, I don't want to bore you folks. I'm not going to go over through every single battle plan and you know the details. That's not what I'm trying to do. No. But if you just show, I'm look at the map. Because I think the map is what's most important. When I, when I sit down at that table, or when I stand at that table, and I'm getting ready to set up for a tournament game, I don't want to sit here and have to figure out quantum physics of how to win the game. Yeah, it, when you, you're talking about the angulation and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're saying, I mean, this is a very simple battle plan. Oh, I see. Okay, so, so you're actually in favor of oh, Battle yeah, of the Pass. Oh, yeah, Battle for the Pass, I think, is a very simple battle plan. I'm with you. the triangular formation at all is difficult. I think that uh, it's a nice, easy, uh, it's a nice, easy setup. The second one that I think is another good setup is Duality of Death. Um, you have two objectives that are in the center of the table, and I'll wait for you to pull it up there. But duality of death is a very easy scenario. Uh, you have two objectives in the center of the table, and your and your army sets up in two different sections. Which I yeah, think I've always really neat. liked this one. This yeah, one I've always really one. liked. Yeah, it's cool. It's neat. You can't put your army all together. You have to, you know, you have to think about where you're going to put stuff. But once again, it's not a hard scenario to figure out you know how to get set up quick and you're ready to go i could look at this map and i could read this battle plan in about two seconds i mean it's pretty much an easy one right and off you go to work yep okay the yep. next one oh i'm sorry did you want to comment no no I, i'm actually i'm right now so far i've agreed with you on on both of these okay so the next the third one that i think that i would use for a tournament if i were the to would be shifting objectives. Always a fun one. Three objectives at the center. 
you have uh, standard player territories, you know, basically the whole breadth of the table, you know, the 12-inch range. Um, very simple, very easy to set up, nothing complicated about it. The shifting objectives makes it strategic enough that you can't just throw your tables on the model or uh, models on the table and you know run forward you have to think about where the objective may move to but once again simple setup simple battle plan easy enough for a tournament player to read in about two minutes and, get, and then get going and then right. and then i can put my book away having this big goofy book on a table when I'm trying to set up my army. Yeah, and I get what you're saying, because the first thing I think people do, you know, when they finally find the battle plan that they're going to be playing or the scenario, they look at the map. They look at this little map here and they say, okay, this is what I'm going to be dealing with. And then they go up here and they say, okay, what are, how do I get my victory points? What happens? So yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying there. And that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The next, the fourth one that I thought would be a, a great battle plan would be places of arcane power. Now this one is a that diagonal. one is kind of int- okay. I, oh, this is a diagonal yeah. one. You know how I feel about diagonal ones, Steve. Unbelievable. But but this one is once again, it's an easy setup, right there in the center of the table. Your territories. I mean, it, it's basically you know where your heroes have to be back a little bit further, but your battle line has to be up front. Right. I like this one. It it's not complicated. I can read this quickly and then be setting up my army. Once again, okay. the goal here is to expedite the setup and, and, and commence the play. Not to be sitting there reading this scenario going, okay, what does this one do again? That's, that's what I'm talking about here. Okay. So once again, places of arcane power, very simple setup. It changes it up a little bit with the diagonal setup but that's fun because you don't want every battle being, you know, I set up in my 12 inch range and you set up in your 12 inch range. And, you know, we, you know, no. Yeah. Well, you you also don't want the battle plans to be just prefaceted for UG and glug to meet in the middle of the the battlefield and beat the crap out of each other. Like we pretty much had all through eighth edition Warhammer fantasy battle. (laughs) Well, that's all it was. Yeah. I mean, that, well, there was, yeah, there were no objectives in that one. It was, it was pretty much just, you know, go ye forth and slaughter. Yeah. UG and glug meet in the middle of the table and beat the crap out of each other. Now, the last one that I thought would be, uh, best for a tournament would be Scorched Earth. Scorched okay. Earth. In my I was actually, opinion, I thought that would be your first one. Uh, well, here's the thing. I think, well, you could put these in any combination. I'm just, I mean, I'm not necessarily putting these in the order in which I think the tournament would flow. Okay. I'm just saying these are the five that I would use for the tournament. Uh, if you look at Scorched Earth, uh, I can tell you that almost every single person that plays this scenario loves it because you have to guard your objectives in the back to watch, you know, you have to guard objectives. You have to watch out for ambushers. I mean, this is a fun game because right. if you are an Ugg and Glug army, as you right. put it, yeah, uh, you're going to lose big because you're not going to be able to guard all your objectives. Sure. So once again, though, if you look at the setup, it's, it's enough of a difference from the other scenarios where are the battle plans so that it's interesting so that your games are remaining interesting. Right. And I think that as a TO, you don't want, like I said, you don't want to create just an Ugg and Glug tournament where they're just, you know, you got people just beating on each other, but you also don't want to make, uh, you also don't want your, your teams or excuse me, your teams, your, your, uh, your players. Right. Um, 
solving quantum physics to figure out how to win the damn game. So, yeah, yeah, because now, I think I no, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, we, we talked about uh, we talked about places of arcane power. We talked about some of the other ones. But, you know, it's funny. Harun just just wrote in on, on the chat here. You know, what about relocation orb? Because that's one. Of, I actually that's one of my favorite ones. What are your thoughts on that one? Oh, so once again, that is that is probably my top. I top one that I would never use in a tournament. OK, that is the most ridiculous setup. I mean, if you look at the way this is set up. And you look at, at the, the the path of that orb. Basically, what you're doing is you're keeping this book open on the table for when that orb moves. True. True. So yeah. once again, you have this big goofy book on the table obstructing your your area of gameplay. Right. This is one of the reasons why. Now I don't. You know, other people may not like. You know, may love this one, but. This would be the top one that I would never use in a tournament. Never. Yeah, well, okay, no, in a tournament. Now I'm following you because in, in just what about say a war meet? Oh, war meets are fine. I'm saying these are all for tournaments. Tournaments. That's okay. why. You know what? I was I was two steps behind you the whole time there, buddy. Sorry about that. No, all right, I'm these with you are now. tournaments. Um, okay. Because as I stated, if I'm a TO and I'm using five battle plans for my tournament, I want these to be battle plans that people can go. Okay, I get what this one is. I have to do this, I have to do that, and I have to do the other thing. Done. If I have to have a goofy book on the table with all these swirly lines and, you know, figuring out, oh, where does the orb go now? Oh, I have to read this chart? Forget it. Yeah, you okay. Are... Now I totally agree with you. In tournament play, this this is terrible. Yeah, oh, I completely understand. It's so, okay. Let, let me let so me now... try to chime in here. Let me let me give my two cents go because I I, to, I would I would say this. Here's my here's my for tournaments, right? Just tournaments. Just tournaments. And and are we gonna are we gonna dig in? Because you know now that now that with with the with the main rule book and the general's handbook and you know we have a ton of scenarios now. So we're not talking about the ones from 2016, 2017, and 2018, right? We're gonna stick with just 2019 scenarios. No, I'm sticking with 2019. Ah, good. Okay. And and then I want. Well, we'll talk more once we get finished with this. But did you have anything else you wanted to say about relocation orb or? No. What I was going to say is my top three for tournament play, I think, and this is not necessarily in any order, but my top three for, if we're talking just 2019, is places of arcane power, shifting objectives, and duality of death. Yeah, I would agree. Those are good ones. I mean, uh, and I think we've already talked about the first two I mentioned, but uh, duality of death, I think, is one that... Um, I think would be uh, just a good one, just to kind of snag on here real quick. If I can, if I can hijack what you're talking about here. So here's duality of death. Um, no, we did talk about this one. That's right. That's right. Sorry, yeah, we did. That. Yeah. So I would um, say that those are my my three favorite for tournaments. Now, see, I love scorched earth because scorched earth prevents a what you just said. I love that term, uh, and glug. It prevents. <laughs> oddly enough, that's what my troll army is. Right. But um, it prevents an and glug army for um from i should uh using that kind of battle strategy because you have to cover those objectives you you can't especially if i'm dealing with something like daughters of cain where they can drop down those harpies and just burn it right and then i'm really screwed you know so or or any other kind of ambushing unit and uh, let's Beastman. face it oh i mean beastmen yeah. uh gloom spike gets with the hand of gork you know right so right what about what about things like knife to the heart, focal points, play, okay, you know. So those are my next ones. Um, right, where, where are we going? 
Which one? Okay, so the second one that I would never use in a tournament is Knife to the Heart. Um, that's the one where you have this goofy um, staircase design. For yeah. The, for the, yep. Oh, it's just what a nightmare this is when you're trying to get your game started and you got to measure out to here. That, now, I know people are saying, well, wait a minute, you know, what, what if the table is made up of those panels? Okay, well, what if you're not playing on a table that has the GW panels? Yeah, which is That's most like, of the tables out there. Which is most there, exactly. Yeah. Now, great, if I'm at a GW store, perfect. But most of the time, we play at an independent retailer, mm-hmm. GameStorm. So, exactly. So I don't want to have to sit here and mess around with this when I'm trying to get my models on the table and get the game started because – when you're in a turn, you don't have time for any of this nonsense. No, no, you're, yeah, no, uh-uh, no, time 10 is... to 15 minutes set up at, at the most. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the third one, to keep this moving along, the third one is Total Conquest. Um, and, and this is another one you would never play in a tournament setting. Never would have it in a tournament because of the goofy deployment. Uh, I don't mind the diagonal. I just think it's 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 a goofy deployment. It's, um, it's one, I mean, it's not as bad as like relocation orb or as uh, bad as knife to the heart, but it's just one that I would stay away from. It, sure. it just is one that I would not use sure. because of the awkward, um, because of the awkward deployment. Okay. The next one I would not use, and this is the most egregious one I think is star strike. If you look at Star Strike and you look at the panels and you look at this, it, you look at this, um, this grid that they have designed yeah. for this scenario. Right. Do you really want your gamers messing around with this crap in the middle of a game? Is this really what you want your gamers doing? Now, some TOs may say, yeah, I want to make it as hard on them as possible. Okay, well, great. I yeah. want people you're, to have a good time. You're going to have I a want... really low turnout next year, Jagoff. Well, I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad scenario. Actually, I love Star Strike. I just don't want this in a tournament. I want, yeah. I, I, like I said, and I know I'm sounding like a broken record here, but I want my, uh, I want my players to be able to get on that table and get those games going quick. Right. Star right. Strike is not a game that is conducive to a flowing tournament. Do you think, do you think uh, the, the next general's handbook? And of course, you know, folks, we talked about this uh, a couple of shows ago, what, what our anticipation was when the next general's handbook was going to be released. But do you think when the next one does come out, maybe it's 2021 for all we know, who knows, do you think they're going to maybe split the scenarios up, maybe have tournament based scenarios? I mean, they, they kind See, of already gave that, us how to point things a little bit, right? That is compelling. I would love to see scenarios, and I know they already kind of have that in a way. They do. You know, you, I mean, you don't have, I mean, these are all obviously tournament scenarios because they're in matched play, but um, there's other, there's other scenarios in the, in just the basic book. You could even use scenarios for narrative play. I mean, there's nothing saying you couldn't. Sure. No. So. The last one that I think is one that it's not bad, but I just wouldn't use it in a tournament because of the awkward deployment. Okay. Um, I would not use better part of valor. Ooh, I don't like that one anyways. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites. Um, I just don't like the awkward setup. Once again, um, it's not that it's a hard setup. I mean, it's a very basic and easy setup, but 
I want, once again, I want my players to be able to get their, their army on a table and get going within 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And like I said, that, like, if you look at that scenario, it's not a bad scenario. I mean, I love playing it actually, you know, in regular, just, you know, knocking around games, but I don't want this in a tournament. If I'm a TO, I don't want this one in a tournament. So if I'm going to wrap this up and I know I've been, you know, running the mouth here and pontificating, but, um, if I'm going to set up a tournament, my goal ultimately as a TO is to make my gamers have challenging games, you know, which I think the five that I listed as good, good ones are. Um, but I also want them to be able to, and get that game started because as we well know, how many times are we in the middle of a game and, yep. or, or at the end of a game or, and it's our, it's like our turn coming up. We know that we can win the game if we, if we, you know, can get to it. And then the time clock runs out. Yep. Or you get that, you know, when there, when there's 10 minutes left to play, they say, don't play your next round or something. Yeah. And, and it also opens up your opponent. If he's kind of a, you know, if he's kind of a shady guy, we're not a shady guy. I mean, it, you know, technically well, maybe he's a, he, maybe he is an intentional slow player or he just doesn't yeah. know his army well enough, you know? Yeah, right. But exactly. either case, I think you're a victim of the time clock one way or the yes. other. And, and if you are dealing with the slow player, uh, whether intentional or not, it, it affects, it affects your ability to be successful in that tournament. Exactly. So I guess my closing thoughts for this particular topic are IREOs in the general's handbook 2020 are going to be challenging scenarios, but I, I would love to exactly what you said. I would love to see scenarios that are more tournament friendly. Right. And then I would love to see matched play scenarios that are kind of for you and your buddies to knock around and play. I yeah. know that, but I'm hoping that, and I hope that they change these up. I don't want to keep playing the same 10 scenarios all the time. Something new, innovative, but not complex. Yeah. Because the goal of any game, whether it's tournament or casual play, is <clears throat> that I can get set up and I can get going quickly. Sure. Yeah. So there's my rant. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live experience and the show. If you want to support the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on our podcast. This way, you'll be alerted when we post new content. If you'd like to support Grimdark Live further... Head over to GrimDarkLive.com, get a t-shirt, dice, or there's Patreon, which makes our show possible. Keeps our mics on and the lights buzzing. Big thanks to everyone, past, present, and future, who have supported GrimDark Live. We do this because of all of you, and of course, we will continue doing this for as long as we can. Okay, you guys ready for more GrimDark Live? Let's get back to the show. Before we move on or do anything else, let's. I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper. We're talking about the General's Handbook. We're talking about tournaments. We're talking about scenarios that we like. And, and I agree with you, Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrel and all of them. Once, once I figured out you were referring to tournaments. <laughs> but let's, let's actually look at the idea of the value of units, you know, you, you brought up something the, the other day that we were, we said we were going to talk about here on the show and that's examining the current 
points for models you yeah. know, and, and what changes need to be made because, and I only, I only bring this up because uh, you know, and, and because an interesting point was just made on the boards and I, I gotta, I gotta tip my hat to Haroon again for, for, you know, another great comment. He said, you know, you want to see meta armies break, don't use the static objective battle plans. And I think that's, I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a good point to that, but I think more than that, I think let's look at, you know, what's going to be coming down the pike. Maybe be, they might have to handle it in a FAQ or something like that, that could be coming out, you know, uh, to, if, if we're not going to get another general general's handbook where I'm going with that. So let's talk about that for a minute here, you know, examining the current points for, for models, you know, cause we break them up into categories, right? Steve, we want to talk about battle line. Yeah. Battle I line. If, yeah. You, know, you want to look at probably, uh, I would break it up into three categories. I would break it up into, well, four, actually. Characters, monsters, elites, and monsters and elites are not necessarily in the same category, believe me. Sure. Um, so characters, monsters, elites, and then battle line. Right. And then, if you really want to get deeper, you could even go battle line if. But I would put those in with the elites. Okay. As they usually are. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Haroon was talking about to me, cause I put it out there to the guys, you know, I don't want to, you know, I know how I think, but I want to know what everybody else thinks. Right. And texting with each other. And one of the things that he said was that he wanted to see just general ups for grand alliances go down because they tend to be, you know, your, your weakest troops. Okay. Like, I know that he was talking about Namardi Thralls. He thought those were a little bit overpriced. Um, I know that uh, some of the basic troops that you see, <clears throat> like your swordsmen, maybe your um, uh, maybe your handgunners. You know, when we look at those troops and okay. we look at the amount of damage that they do in a game, are they really worth those? 140 120 point values sure and i think that that's a compelling discussion because i don't think a lot of battle line regular battle line troops are worth what they call like for instance uh what is it 130 point 20 stabas now granted i know stabas can can uh make uh the opponent minus one to hit with the netters i i know that um you know they can fight through you know I, i get all that but are they really worth 130 points? Some well, I, th- I think they look yes. at some of the intangibles of the unit too. Yes. Like for instance, if you have a unit of 20 netters and they all die and, and you got your, your, your loon shrine close by, you can bring 10 of them back out. Yeah. So I, value to that. that. That's my point. In other words, we, we can't just look at the unit itself. Often we have to look at, what are its uh, what are some of the ancillary rules that it has mm-hmm. that make it either you know, that make it stronger, make it a better unit? Um, you know, handgunners on their own are you know average, but you put an engineer or you put those guys next to them that can make them uh, hit on a two, or you make or or reroll shots if they're you know those kind of things. Now you're talking that that unit's a lot more valuable. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not just the unit itself and the points of the unit itself. It's what other things are you putting around it that can make it more valuable? 
Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with that. But and, and but that's kind of the story, though. That's kind of the whole story arc of Battleline. And I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to you know one of my one of my own armies, and that's my that's my beast of chaos. And and I've often said this here on the show, and I've said this to everyone at nauseum, probably second or third only to the greatest unit in the game, which is the Nobblers. The who? Uh, that, yeah, you know what? I will hang up on you, you son of a. No, um, but in reality, the, let's look at the Beast of Chaos. I know we're going to be talking about them here in a, in just a few minutes, but I that the best battle line. Now, I'm not talking about battle line if, and I know that there's other battle line units that are maybe tougher or faster. Oh, we can talk than about them. it ad nauseum. Yeah, the Gores. I mean, you you put a unit. Gores are seventy points for ten, right? And seventy points for ten. Yes. Yeah, wow. but they're straight battle line. Now you put two hand weapons on these buggers, and uh, I mean, what's their hit wound? Uh, well, I mean, they're they're pillow fisted. They got they got one attack apiece, fours, no rent damage, one. But the gores themselves have they've got abilities that I think are spectacular, like rend and tear is one. And basically, what that is is I can reroll ones for attacks if I have paired gore blades. So you always take paired gore blades their save is a five plus with okay. without their without their beast shield it's a it's a four plus with their beast shield but they're not really there to do anything other than wreak havoc because one thing that they have that they carried with them from the previous edition is anarchy and mayhem and i can add one to the attack characteristics for for them if i have more than 20 models in the unit well i'm always going to be taking a maxi of these guys so do you think that 70 points is a fair um I do. is a fair amount for that unit? I, I let me put it this way. They they were originally priced or hand before their book came out. Their gores were 90 points for 10. Then the book came out, there were 80 points for 10. Then the, and I'm going to I'm kind of cheesing a little bit on my topic here a sure. little bit. But then the FAQ came out and they dropped them to 70. And man, I I'll, I'll say this. They probably could have stayed at 80 for all war with two hand weapons can do. Now, now, folks, when, when I say, and I've had a lot of people, you know, uh, club me over the head for, for this statement. I want to I kind of reiterate it. When I say that I firmly believe that Gore in the Beasts of Chaos Army are the best pound-for-pound battle-line unit, yeah, there might be other are hit harder, are faster, can, you know, whatever. That, But I'm talking about for their points, for their values, for, for their for their ancillary abilities like Rend and Tear, Mayhem, and all the things that they do. I don't know that you're going to get a better bang for your 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 buck, your, your, your points buck, than 70 points for a gore. So so it is intriguing when you look at different um, different units especially the battle line and how they're and how they're pointed like if, if i can if i can so pontificate to steal your word again I'm, then i'm going to turn it back over to you another of my one of my two armies that i exclusively play is my maw tribe um i have a problem with the cost of the ogre bulls or i guess now they're 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 gluttons um and how, how much I, are they for how much are they for th- they're 120 points now, see, I think that is a fair price for them. What do you think they should be more or less? I, I you know what? I think, I, I think like the Gore are probably ten points lower than where they need to be. I think the Gluttons are ten points heavier than where they need to be. Okay, so do Gluttons have a bite? They do, but do they again, have, how many attacks do they have? Three. Uh, yes. And they're damaged too. Uh, yeah, but they don't, but they don't have any rent. So, so basically well, what is their hit? What is their hit by wound? Threes by threes. 
Okay, so I think th- I think one twenty is actually a, a pretty pretty damn good price. Here, no, well, see, them. here's the thing: they got four wounds. They got four okay. wounds. So now yeah, we're going to start exactly. getting into the little ancillary things that they do. They have four wounds, but they got a five plus save. And, and as we've seen against harder hitting units, i.e., trogoths, stone, you know, the 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 rock trogoths, i.e., bulgors, they melt pretty fast. You know, uh, for 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 what you're for what you're getting now. Okay, granted, so they're going to melt fast against trolls, but they're not going to melt fast against your average battle line troop, though. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, no, of course not. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think, but I also think there are some things. Okay, all right, let, let me go back. I think ogre gluttons in larger units possibly they don't. I think they're they don't hit well enough above their weight class to justify the, the 120 points. It's close enough, you know, horseshoes and hand grenades, I can live with it. But but then if you take a unit of three, which is what, what I love to do at times, of ogre gluttons, and you give them an iron fist, where you can drop them up against some, you know, some uh, some daughters, where they're going to be delivering mortal wounds on a six, on the save, save roll of a six, back on them. Then that three-man unit of 120. So I guess sometimes, like we're talking about here, it's how you what the application is for their usage, right? I mean, yes, it is. What are you going to be? Well, actually, it's based upon like what are you going to be facing, right? Yeah. Because if you're facing trolls, you're in trouble. You're facing something like you know men at arms, you know, or like you know your average foot soldier battle line troop. You're going to slaughter them with gluttons, especially if you have a unit of 12. Sure. So sure. I think 120, do they get a bonus for, for the full unit? Uh, I, I believe they do. I'll, you kind of, you kind of caught me on that one. I'd have to go back and look again, but I believe they do. Um, okay. So if they're getting a points reduction for having a max size unit, which I, and I mostly see lots of people playing them in groups of nine or 12. Um, I, I see mostly 12s. Yeah. 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 Mostly 12s. I see for gluttons. It's usually either one or two units of 12. But I don't know. They seem to be pretty, pretty effective troops for what they do. Um, five up save. They have a five up save. Yeah. You know, for, for a max unit, they're 400 points. So, it, you know, and you look at it that way, I guess, I guess That's I'll take a little bit of what bad. I said back. Um, but let me go back That's to something else. Let me, you know, while we're on this, you kind of intrigued me something when you talk about Iden of Deepkin and you talk about the, the Namari Thralls. They're 140 now, see, points for 10, right? Yeah, and I don't think that Namardi troops are that bad because they get a bonus when if they have those big axes, if they get a bonus when they're going against uh, larger creatures. Okay, well now we're, so, we're back to what we talked about before, as far as yeah. their ancillary abilities, like like say the Stabas, they get the, they get half their unit back if they're blown up as long as they they pop out of the the loon Yeah, trial. so I mean it's got to be. I mean, if we kind of refocus this conversation here, it's when I look at points, I don't because, I mean, we could literally spend, you know, 15 shows talking about points and all the different units we think are uh, over costed or. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and and then that falls in line to the the, the gaming and bitching. (laughs) Exactly. I think because every because every player has a different opinion. No one's going to be satisfied. Well, based upon the army that they play. Yeah, right. You know, right. I mean, I mean, I'm happy with the points from my own army. I mean, I don't think anything's overcosted except for the dang colds, but you know, that's only one unit out of the game or out of my army. Sure. So when I look at when I look at points or just points in general as a conversation, I want to know, or at least I wonder, when they're making up the points for elites or for monsters, 
or for uh, your, your characters. I want to know where some of these points values come from. Because, for instance, a lot of people are talking about how um, Eltharian is only 220 points and he is an absolute beast on the, on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his stat line. I've heard the same thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, he'll rip right. you to pieces. So, right. I mean, he can kill a monster in one round of combat. So is he really worth 220? Or should he maybe be jacked up to like 300? So I think what I would like to see um, coming up, <coughs> pardon me, folks, uh, what I would like to see coming up in the new general's handbook, which will hopefully have the accompanying, you know, points uh, like it did with the last one. I want to see an adjustment based upon more based upon the abilities of certain units. For instance, okay. um, If I look at, you know, Nagash, you're talking about one of the most powerful characters in the game has literally wiped out armies on his own, mm-hmm. has slaughtered characters that are worth 600 points with Hand of Death, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, so he's, when I, he's been a terror since, you know, the, 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 the Legion yeah, and the Gosh I mean, book came out. Oh, so, yeah. my God, since he's, since he's come out. I mean, and, and, you know, people complain about Nagash like like no other. But is he, what is he, 860? Uh, actually, Nagash is, I believe he's 860. Let me actually look yeah. that up. That's a good question. So, I, think I, mean, he's, I thought he was 800, but, um, yeah, well, if he, if he is 800, he needs to be at least, at least yeah, 950 I, points. Yeah. I think he's because 800, you are but talking regardless, about, he's, he's, he's in that ballpark. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a model and you say to yourself in a five damage, can this guy, this model, this unit put out in a game? How much damage, like in a single game, accounting for, you know, movement and getting to your opponent, you're probably going to have only ever two rounds of combat uh, in a game. So I just found it here for you. So from Legions of Nagash to Osiarch Bone Reapers, Nagash went up 80 points. He's 880 right now from 800. So he's 880. Yeah, he should be 950 minimum. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, like I said, when you look at when you look at a unit and you say to yourself, "Okay, how much damage can this unit realistically do in a game? Can that unit, like, wipe out a unit? Can it hurt a unit? Can it uh, decimate a unit and then go on to a, you know to another unit and wipe that out? Like trolls, trolls can do that. Trolls can wipe out an entire unit in one round of combat and move on to another unit. So right. they can kill." Uh, hundreds of points like worth of troops per combat nagash nagash can kill uh six seven eight hundred i mean he can kill you know major characters you know well i think people forget too you're not just fighting nagash you know he's got all of his little companions all those little uh spirit hosts with their claws that's my point yeah yeah alone Mm -hmm. with that hand of death ability can wipe out pretty much anything in the game so you have to, when you're making these points, or at least I, I'm trying to figure out like how they make their, how they adjust their points when they're doing these points values for these units, are they 
are they truly looking at how much damage that model can do realistically in a five-turn game? You know what I think they're doing? You know, and we, we, we've seen from some releases of some of the recent, you know, well, actually a lot of the, many of the battle tomes that we don't suspect there's as much playtesting going on at the headquarters over there at GW as, as we'd like. So I, th- I think it's a foregone conclusion. That's why we have the FAQs. That's why we have a summer and a winter FAQ that have now started to transpire. I think that's why they're monitoring larger major tournaments to see how things act against a multitude of different armies. I mean, when you when you think about, say, Nagash, right, in, say, uh, an Oceanic Bone Reapers or, or a um, Legions of Nagash army, whatever it is, right, at any given time, that army with Nagash in it could go up against any multitude of armies of Daughters of Cain, Gloomspite Gits, the yep. Everchosen, Slaves of Darkness, the Karajan Overlords, Ideneth Deepkin, Sylvaneth, Seraphon, Skaven, Cities of Sigmar. I, I feel like I'm, like, just... My, my having a brain dump of all the armies, but my my point is is that that's a lot of data. And, and if you remember when Age of Sigmar first broke, there were no points. It was left to us. You know, it was it was left to you, me, Ugg, and Glug. We had to yeah, sit down. Yeah. And remember, people tried to do it by wounds, and they tried to come up yeah. with different mathematical algorithms based off of their you know their weapon range and their hit and wounds and what the percentages was. You know, if it was a four, it was a fifty percent positive or negative, and yep. all this kinds of stuff that. People would, and they'd say, oh, okay, great. Nagash is 17,000 points or whatever the heck they would come out with. And people went with it. So I, I would I would venture to say that, that GW has to come up with these points in some manner. And we know they're using some type of uh, you know, elementary functions, some type of math. And they're saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. But I think the practical end is where you're going with it that's when the rubber hits the road and they use these grand tournaments to say, well, Gore's really should be a hundred points, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. You know. So here's my challenge to the gaming community, to the guys who are listening to the show right now, or who are going to listen to the show. What I want you to do besides hit the like button, please. Yeah, uh, please do in that. The, in the comments section, if you're not listening to the show right now, and you're maybe listening to, you know, a couple days later, in the comments section, what I want you to do is this. I want as many people as, as can be put down one unit that you think should have a points adjustment and why. And the reason I want you guys to do this is I want to see where the rest of the gaming community is coming from. I want it because this this yeah. is a, a show for all of us. This is not like, you know, this show's not about Pat and I. This show's about us the grimdark goons yeah i yeah. want you guys to put in the comment section one unit that you think needs to be adjusted and why and i want to read these comments and then next week on the show i'm going to pick through some of the ones that i thought were pretty profound and we're going to talk about those next week good that's but a great I know idea we have to move on because you uh you have something you want to share with us Wait a minute. There's something wrong here. What is happening? Get ready, Grimdark Goons, to time travel back in time to a Grimdark Live show segment from the past. The, the past? A segment from a show back in time. Get ready, Grimdark Goons. Here we go. 
we got a great guest with us today. Our first guest is a great, great friend of ours. Uh, he's he's here with us for the first time today, and uh, and and a really just a really just a heck of a gamer and a, and a really just a, a great person in the community. Um, our buddy Steve. Steve, how you doing, bud? Thanks for being with us. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. We're very happy that uh, that you're here. So let's um, let's roll right into this a little bit. So now to, to kind of back up here, Steve. You know, uh, you and I met what maybe nine years ago. You know, way back oh, in the, uh, the seventh edition, eighth edition uh, game yeah. time frame. Yeah, I think it battles. was. I think I first met you right at the tail end of sixth and going into seventh. Yeah. And we were over at the old Orland store, and I remember when you walked in with uh, your son, and your yep. son, who's now about six foot uh, one, was about uh, knee high to a grasshopper. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, yeah, that's the problem when you feed them; they just keep getting bigger. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was it's it's hard to believe, man. Uh, time time sure does goes by. But you know, yeah, it sure does. Welcome back, Grimdark goons. Hope you enjoyed the time travel. Welcome back to the present. Now, back to the show, folks. Here we go. We're going to talk about uh, probably my longest love affair in this in this hobby uh is with the beastie boys oh thank god (laughs) not nobblers are the side action you know are you cheating on your nobblers oh i tell you you know you you gotta eat ones every once in a while let me write i am gonna tell mr crapola (laughs) here we go let me get this down go there you go. Make sure you spell it right. All right. So here it is. So Steve, if you remember in last week's show, as we were talking with Doom, we had in the course of the conversation uh, brought up the the Beast of Chaos and, and how they play like any destruction army. And and as a side note, I think they should be in the Destruction Grand Alliance, but that's that's one man's opinion. Anyway, in that conversation. Um, I had mentioned a list that I've been playing for quite some time and it's been very successful for me. And, and I'd like to talk about that and then maybe allude to how building a list is, is really most the hammer and anvil style build to methods that we, that you, you see so many people talk about. And as a matter of fact, I had a toss up between the mighty 300 nobblers and this particular list that I was going to bring and play at Adepticon because I've been playing this locally and been very successful. And if I, and if I were to look in my little Age of Sigmar diary book that my daughter got me, uh, I'm 26 and one with this army or variations of this army, but I'm going to, and oddly enough, I don't think I've ever played against this army. Have I? No, you know what? Um, I know that in our gaming group, I know Rob's played against it and Dustin's played against it. Uh, Evan's played against it quite a bit. And it's, it's over a multitude of, of plentiful games. And, and what I found was, well, let me, let me, before I get ahead of myself, And, and there's another side note here before I get going, you know, doom did a, a great beast of chaos unlocking that we mentioned earlier in the show oh, with Joel McGrath. Awesome. Uh, they did a awesome. great job. And in the intent, the intent of my talk here is not to overcast their unlocking mainly because I don't think I guys are <laughs> way above my level, but, but to really expand on my comment from last week's show. Plus, uh, and I'm going to throw this out here to you, Chuck Giardina. Chuck Giardina has been kicking my ass about this list. He wants to know all about this list, so he's been asking about it. And, and, and you know, it's it, it's Chuck. You gotta you gotta help a brother out. So, so so Chuck, let's this go. Is, this is for you and everyone else. So, so here it is. So let's um, I think at this point, I've been playing Beast of Chaos for 14 years. I think. Yeah, long uh, time. I I think a lot of 
uh, I think I've had a lot of games with them, a lot of years, and and with that, whether it's the meta, the new game edition, tactics, or or a combination thereof, the army has really evolved over the years, and I I think that's what makes these type of armies be successful. I think that's what it takes to be successful with an army, not just a list. An army is time. I think you have to invest that time into it. You know, and and I'm not going to go too far back, but in Warhammer Fantasy Battles 7th and 8th edition, I learned to deploy this army in MSUs or multiple small units when everybody was running big 40, 60, 80, 100 block units. Uh, and coupled with the ambush rule back then, when the ambush rule was very unreliable, that's how I played the army and had had success with it when everyone else was losing. Um, we had a homemade herdstone, and the shard of the herdstone was an add-on to a character back then in those editions. When Age of Sigmar first dropped, I ran a heavy minotaur list, Bulgors. Then that evolved into a heavy gore list. At one time, I ran 110 gore on the table at one time. Still a homemade herdstone and no shard of the herdstone, but the army worked. But I could only find, at best, it was a 3-2 and two record at best in, in major tournaments. And, and as a matter of fact, I went 1-4 and four at Adepticon in 2017 with a mostly Minotaur list. Rob was my last game on this one. We have a funny story that I'll share maybe later. We'll talk about it at a war meet. But I went 1-4 and four at Adepticon 17. And even though my record doesn't show it, I almost tabled four of my opponents, and my one win, I did table my opponent. So even with an army that hit harder than Winter on Welfare, I couldn't play the objectives well enough, and that's how I lost those four games. As life in Age of Sigmar progressed, my Beastie Boys got an actual Hearthstone, uh, a terrain piece, a new battle tome, um, no new models until the release of, of Beastgrave, but the army was really coming together. You could feel it. The ability, the, 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 the first thing that happened that I can recall was uh, the sacrificing, the, the ability called Locus of Savagery, and the ability to get primordial call points to summon on units. And some of those units are chimeras. And that is when this army became a real force to be reckoned with, but it was still lacking. But that battle tome really set the table for the Beasts of Chaos players, the herds, all herd, dark walkers, gave spawn, you know, the, the battalions like Desolating Beast Herd, Marauding Bray Herds, or Pestilent Throng, Depraved Drove, or Brass Despoilers. Beyond what those battalions functioned as, it gave Beasts to Chaos players a valuable position to really limit their drops, sometimes one or two in a list, and thus we didn't have to care anymore. We didn't have to worry anymore about who went first or second, and that was the luxury many Beasts of Chaos players exploited. You know, back in the day, we just wanted to go second. We had more drops, we were forced to go first, and our game kind of went to hell at that point. But now we had a luxury that we never really had before. And even with units like Dragon Ogres and Zangors being largely disappointing, Beasts of Chaos players had something real. And, and I was, for the first time, enthused and eager to really build on this army for, for more than just a competitive standpoint. I believed one could really win with this army now, but there was still a small issue of balance in the points. And then, the winter FAQ of 2019 changed all of that. Points dropped. And that's when it all came together. And that's what I wanted to present today was uh, the, the two lists that uh, I think are going to be 
important um, to this discussion. So what I'm showing on my screen, I know, and folks, I apologize for many of you people that are going to be joining us on the podcast, uh, but hopefully my, my dissertation will, will, will suffice. So here's the list that's uh, really a product of the years of building and, and uh, in the meta and, and game changes that occurred. Now, the list is based from the realm of Heish, and I'll get to why in a minute. The essence of the success of this list is really now due to being able to take two battalions because of all the points dropped, which garners two additional artifacts for a total of three available to me. The first list I'm going to show is the original of the two, and they both run essentially the same. So this first list is, it's all heard. That's my great fray. I'm from the realm of Heish. My, my, my unit or my HQ, for some of you uh, uh, 40k converts, uh, Doombull, Beast Lord, and three Great Bray Shamans. My battle line, I've got two units of six Bulgors with great axes. I like them that way. Uh, I got a unit of, of Ungors with uh, spears and shields. A unit of gore with gore blades and beast shields for that four plus save. I got two units of bestigors and two units of ungore raiders. And again, my battalions, brass despoilers, desolating beast herd. You may say, well, why the heck are you taking that many points in battalions? You're taking 340 you know, points in, in, in battalions. Well, I'm going to get there. And I'm also taking the, the ravaging dire flock. And I'll get to those guys in a minute as far as an endless, an extra command point for 50 uh, points. In this list... I'm starting the game with one command point plus three extra command points. One for the first turn, two because of the two battalions, and one that I paid for for 50 points. So what I have essentially is four command points and one primordial call point to start. Also, because I'm Beast of Chaos, I automatically receive one primordial call point at the start of every friendly hero phase. And this is important to focus on as... Uh, let me recenter this real quick. And this is important to focus on as this will play heavily into the mechanics as I'll show you soon. But let's start with the herds. All right. And I'm going to go right back to the herds here that I think are are important. So the um, the, the the first thing that I want to show up here is um, are there's three of them. Again, as I said before, all herd, dark walkers, and gave spawn. And these lists I go with all herd. In my opinion, it's the best one that there is. Um, to take a look at what all herd is uh, very quickly is right here. Um, so the command ability, which is booming roar, you know, states that at the start of the hero phase, I receive one primordial call point. Now remember. This is at the start of turn one. I have one primordial call point for doing nothing plus three command points. The rest of the all herd traits are fair to Midland. Dominator command trait is not that good, but it's a have to take. So it's on the doom bowl, the general. The all herd artifact of power, which is on my beast lord. This one is called the blade of the desecrator. And that's on the beast lord right here. All right. So it's called the blade of the desecrator. Now, if we look at the beast lord for just one second. And, and this will all come together, folks. I know I'm kind of bouncing around on some of you good people out there, so, so bear with me. Here's the Beast Lord right here. So he's got the Blade of the Desecrator, which is the weapon that, that correlates with all herd. So his role in the army is a killer torpedo. I point him in the direction of the enemy unit and let him go. 
And with his rend now at negative two, or as much as up to negative three, depending, because of the blade uh, of the Desecrator, you have a real great chance of activating his own command ability, which is Grizzly Trophy. And for a long time, the Beast Lord had um, largely been ignored or often questionable as far as a spot in your army. Well, not anymore. I've used him with great success. If you're able to, you know, if you're going to get six attacks, threes by threes, negative two or three, depending on the size of the enemy unit you throw him into, um, that he, he, he does a lot of, a lot of damage, but let's get back to the list. Now, what we have looked at, uh, in the all herd and, and talked about the beast Lord, the last character in the list is, is, and great Bray shamans for me. If I were to go back and just kind of scroll down to these guys right here, um, I've had a real love affair with these wizards for a long time. Their base spell devolve is just awesome. But in this list, I have three, um, and one is to stay back at the herdstone and slit throats while the other two are to offer buffs and work in tandem with their artifacts. The two other artifacts I can afford, remember, because of the two battalions that I've taken. So, the shaman has the my, my first shaman has something called the knowing eye, and that's a uh, that's an artifact of power um, in the Beast of Chaos book. And of course, this basically states at the heart at the start of the hero phase on a four plus, you receive one additional command point. My other shaman has what they call the Aether Quartz brooch, and this is the realm specific. Uh, artifact from the realm of Heish, hence why my army is from that area, that 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 land. And this is each time I spend a command point, I roll a dice, and on a five plus, I receive one additional uh, command point. So you see where this is going. And my last shaman is simply at the herdstone, killing ungors. Period. So let's go back to the list again, and here we go. So before we look at anything else, let's run through an average hero phase. Let's just start with turn one. All right. So let me pull this little, little write up I did on here that I want to, I kind of want to share with everybody. Um, cause I think this will make sense to what I'm, I'm explaining. So start of the hero phase. I have one primordial call point plus four command points because of the artifact, the knowing eye, I roll a D six and on a four plus I get one command point. Now, in the red down here, you can see two out of three times average, I'm getting this roll. So let's say we get the four plus. I spend my five now command points a turn uh, to, uh, and, and turn them into primordial call points, now giving me six primordial call points. Because I spent five command points with the, the Aether Quartz brooch, I roll five dice, and on a five plus, I receive one command point. Now, this one's a little tougher. I'm averaging two five plus rolls out of that many dice. So we'll say I get two command points. Now I'm going to repeat the process here. I spend two command points and turn them into primordial call points, now giving me eight primordial call points. I repeat that process again because I spent two command points. With the Aether Quartz brooch, I roll two dice, and on a five plus, I receive one command point. Typically, no five plus on this time with two dice average. So I'm left with eight primordial call points, but it doesn't stop there. Now, remember folks, I'm turn one still in my hero phase. Now with my eight primordial call points, I utilize the great Bray Shaman's ability at the Herdstone called Grizzly Trophy. It likewise called for is, is what, the, what the Beast Lord has. I slit D3 Ungor throats, which turn into primordial <laughs> call points. Now, 
Now, on average, a D3 roll like this equals about two on average. So we'll say yeah. that this is the case. At the end of this portion of the hero phase, turn one, I have 10 primordial call points. So let's just see what that can turn into. Looks like a chimera to me. So turn one, I can literally bring a free chimera onto the board. And how now, much do they normally cost? Chimeras are right around, they're a little over, you know, it's been so long. I think they're 320, I believe, out the, out the back. It's been so long since I've actually priced one that uh, they're 240. Yeah, they're 240 points. It used okay, to be 320. so 240. So, yeah. yeah. But, so to go back to the list here that I wanted to show everyone, and of course you can see that things are, are pretty, pretty well priced, but let's go back to the list here real quick. Now, the rest of my army is, is you know, fairly telltale, you know, I've got two units of, of six Bulgors. Now I, I do want to go back to the Bulgors here real quick. Um, because I think that there's a benefit here that I think we need to kind of talk about. I have had success with this unit, getting them into combat, even though they're fours by threes, even though with the great axe, it's only two attacks, but it's negative two damage three. And they're really a destructive unit. They're paper tigers with a five plus save. I, I get you that. But here's where this army, here's where this unit shines in this particular build. It, there, there's, there's an ability, army-wide ability called blood gorge ability. Now keep this in mind. We talk about Bulgors, two units of six of them. The blood gorge ability is at the end of the combat phase, if any attacks made by a war herd, which are Bulgors unit in the combat phase, uh, destroyed any enemy units, they heal D3 wounds allocated to that Warherd unit. So I found that this list enables me to get those units into pretty good, favorable positions, right? But moving on, my other two units I have in here are my Bestigors. You know, you don't, you don't ever leave home without your best gores, your best of gores. Um, these guys benefit from the Great Bray Shaman's ability, which is uh, infused with Bestial Vigor. Which, um, if I take you up here to the, the, the great Bray shaman right here, sorry for making everyone dizzy. Um, the, these, these guys are, you're able to get extra movement. You can add three inches to the movement characteristics of friendly Bray herd units that are wholly within 12 inches of any great Bray shaman. So you keep them, you keep a great Bray shaman with each unit of these, of these bestigors. So you got two units of bestigors. You got two free floating shamans. You got, cause you got your third one back at the herdstone. Or the Beast Lord's Command Ability. Now, this is where it gets interesting as far as benefiting the Bestigors. Remember, just like the um, the, 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 the army-wide ability, he also has Grizzly Trophy. What's interesting about this is, before, this is what made the Beast Lord so unattractive. But with this Command Ability, you can, and, and with, with the fact that, that he has the blade of the desecrator that's increasing his rend to negative two or up to negative three, depending on the size of the unit he's attacking. You have a real great chance of activating his own command ability, Grizzly, Grizzly Trophy, which I have personally done, which is um, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Brayherd units wholly within 18 inches of the Beast Lord. Now imagine putting rerolls of attacks on your, on your, your best of course. It's a pretty amazing thing. So, if, if it results in any hero or monster being slain in that phase, you can reroll both hit and wound rolls for attacks made with Lee Brayherd units wholly within 18 inches of the Beast Lord. So it's a good way to get that extra little shot 
out of your beast lord or your bestigor units and again you're you're you've got the uh, you've got the choice to wind up your beast lord and send them towards whatever you want to kill or extremely damage i guess the best way to put it um, but moving on, the other units are the Ungors. You know, they can capture objectives or um, act as a screen, I guess. The best way to put the, you know, for those guys. They're so a screen for the bulls or for the uh, Bulgors. Yeah, yeah. And the, 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 the two units of Ungor Raiders are your ambushers. And of course, you know, this is, this is the, the great thing, you know, your units come on within six inches of the, of the table edge, any table edge and more than nine inches from enemy units. And what's nice about this is having the ambush rule, which is in your Bray herds, um, unless you take dark walkers and everybody can get it, but, um, you can really get yourself in a position to be what six inches away from an objective or remember that chimera that you summoned with your 10 primordial call points. Uh, well, um, raiders can make a, a great unit to accompany your summoned units. You summon onto the table. Um, so I, 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 there's a lot of flexibility, movement shenanigans and things like that with this army. So I want to kind of close out my talk on this list one. The whole idea behind this is to do what beastmen do best or what they're meant to do. If you think about it, if they were real life herd type hunting pack, hyena type animals, they would be all over the board. They, they would, they would be hitting you from so many different spots. You wouldn't know whether to shit or play checkers. And that's what this army does best. Now I said, I had two lists. Here's the second list, almost exactly the same as the first one, uh, except for grass rack Fellhoof. He was the new character. And when he came out, I, I threw him in there. Now he's still a wizard. Um, but uh, depending on on what I'm playing against, his spell Savage Bolt comes in real handy, giving my Bulgors plus one to hit. Now remember, typically Bulgors um, are um, a fours by threes. Now with those great weapons, if I have Bulgors that are um, now hitting on um, threes by threes, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother animal there, and that's where the damage really comes in. Um, so instead of fours by threes, I'm able to add one to an 18 inch spell that goes off on a seven, not a great chance, but it has happened more times than not for me. And usually my bulgors, I try to position them up to benefit because they are healing. So again, with great weapons, two attacks, now threes by threes, negative two damage, three brings on the bulgors ability, the, the bulgorge ability real quick. Um, also, uh, you know, grass racks to spoilers for zero points are a great all around utility unit for wound allocations off of grass rack, you know, harassing enemies or, uh, objective claimings That's so that's list two, but they're virtually the same, except I trade out one great Bray shaman for uh, grass rack. Um, so that's, that's what I want to kind of share with everyone. Those are the lists that have offered me the most success. Um, but the real power of this list, as I said before, is to do what Beasts of Chaos do best. And that's flood the table with units to be in places your opponent can't or cause your opponent to go to places they don't want to. Uh, in addition, um, I use a Chimera as an example, uh, as a summoned unit. I actually summon Ungors or Chariots more often than not. Ungors, especially against Skaven to stop their gnawhole, uh, you know, ability. Uh, I just flood, I put, you know, 10 units of Ungors all over the place because, you know, they're, they're cheap as chips, I guess the best way to put it. I mean, um, you look at Ungors, you can, I can get a unit of Ungors, 10 of them for three points, three primordial call points. 
So they're good for stopping the movement shenanigans that um, Skaven are quite known for. So that's um, those are the two lists. Those are the ones that have been extremely successful for me. Interesting. Um, maybe in the future we'll talk about your uh, your Bulgore list. I'd be interested for you to share that list with people and what you originally were playing with them. Yeah, yeah, I will. I, I you know, um, it, it was it was very primitive. No, no pun intended. It, it was uh, it, it wasn't. Um, well, that's what it was meant to be. It was meant to be an ug and glug list. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But this list here has proven to be extremely successful. And I know there's different variations. And like I said, I have lost once with it. But I think the biggest thing that helps with with this particular list is the the ability to 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 play the way beastmen were meant to, and that's swarm the hell out of you and keep you out of position while while still doing damage. And they're not gonna hit you very hard, but they're gonna it's gonna be punches and bunches, and they're gonna do enough damage to make you think about playing them again. Well, folks, if you are a Beastman player, I want you to put it in the comments section. Uh, what are your thoughts about Pat's list? Yeah, you know, let me know because I, you know, I'm not saying that I know it all. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that um, if you want to know the truth, it's a list that I think is yet uh, fully um, tested. I think there's a lot of benefits to that list, but you know, like I said, it was it had had COVID not happened, I would have gotten it out there and stretched its legs against uh in, in environments that actually had uh some weight to them i guess the best way to put it sure hey gang i really hope you're enjoying the grimdark live show so far thanks for being with us but before we get to the question of the day i want to ask you to head over to grimdarklive.com to enter the nerd bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on patreon there are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. Well, good deal. Well, here we are. We're, uh, we're winding the show down. We're getting to that point. We got the question of the day. You ready, man? Go. So here it is, Steve. Which of the four Grand Alliances, Order, Death, Destruction, or Chaos, comes out of the summer with the most momentum? Who do you think is really going to have the most charge behind them, Order, Death, Destruction, or Chaos, at the end of the summer? If I suspect correctly about the capabilities of the Lumineth Realm Lords, I think Order. Interesting. Okay, I wouldn't have gone that way. I would have gone Destruction with the with the no. Giants. Uh I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, but uh, knowing what I know right now about the Lumineth and what I don't know about the Giants, I'm going to go with the uh, Lumineth or the Order. I think Order is going to be the strongest faction coming out of the summer. Interesting. But that's, of course, based upon the fact that we know nothing yet about Suns, and I don't think Suns are going to be released until July or August. Hmm. Alrighty then. That's my call. I say Order. 
yeah, you know what? You you might actually have some there. You know, that might be. Uh, I'm still. Gonna, I think I'm going to stick with destruction. But is it fair to say if I say destruction with Sons of Behemoth, you know, for the fact that you can take giants in your army? Is that yeah, still? I mean, not... if that's what you. I mean, sure, if that's what you feel. Yeah, I, I kind of. That's what I kind of. You know what? I'm going to throw something out there to all the listeners too. Leave in the comment. What, who do you think? Who do you think? Which of the four grand alliances, order, death, destruction, or chaos, is going to come out of the summer with the most momentum? God, yeah. I hope it's. I just hope it's not death. I'm sorry, all you death players out there, no, you're great I don't people. Think it's be death. But holy crap, it's been like what five years of death. Ugh. Just can we take a break now? I'm done. Well, I think that break is coming soon. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, Steve, I, I think I'm. I think I'm going to leave the closing thoughts to you, man. I'm burned out after going through that list. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, school's out and the pools are open. So uh, if we can't play Warhammer, we may as well get out and have some fun in the sun. You know, since we're still at the tail end of this Nurgle plague and things remain uncertain, you know, maybe it's time to take the game outdoors, as I've stated before. Well, I'm not suggesting, you know, inviting hordes of gamer goons buddies over to your house. There's no reason why you couldn't have a few of your crew uh, pick a day for a small, you know, backyard brawl. Whatever you do for right now, let's keep the game outdoors. Fresh air and sunshine never hurt anyone, and it still allows you and your crew to get together without being, you know, cramped up in a pool room or in a basement. Follow your state's guidelines, whatever you do, and keep your club safe. If gaming still isn't an option, you know, maybe it's time to give the hobby a break and just take the wife out for a drive or take the kids fishing or go to a drive-in movie if you can. We do these things outside the hobby, so we'll have a healthy disposition inside the hobby. But whatever you do, get out and enjoy the start of your summer. And those are my closing thoughts. Perfect, man. That was a good way to put it. And yeah, you know what? If you don't mind, I know this is kind of rude to to piggyback off the closing thoughts, but folks, yeah, get out there and let Mother Nature blow the stink off you. And and if you do take your wife for a drive, um, hope she's not too mad when she finds her way home. Will you stop? What? I just hey, you know, I don't know. What do you have to ruin the over in the show? (laughs) Good, uh, good, Steve. That was a good one. Another good closing thought, man. Well, that's it. Uh, That's our show, man. That's a great way to do it. So. That's the end. Don't forget to hit the like button. From Dark Live, I'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday, so until then, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. If you missed the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live podcast. Fear Gang, there'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Grudge Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim. All you dice chucking goose sniffing gamer games, you're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing blue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community. We're only as good as our last game.
check us out at GrimdarkLive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. <laughs> <laughs>